0: Hi and welcome to the podcast today. So, right now, it's Wednesday, March 16th, and it's 2.40 p.m. It was Podcast Palooza. Um, a solo one earlier. And if you heard that one, I said I have, I have two interviews lined up, two interviews lined up. Uh, one that uh, Work asked me to do with uh, one of our partners, Harbor. Um, with a very with a topic that had me go, eh, what? And we're actually we're gonna do that here. And then earlier I recorded another podcast which is not gonna post yet, but that was great. And I I was came in today today thinking quick monologue. Carrie from Harbor, Addison and Sydney from the Community Care Clinic with UT. Slap it all together. That's Wednesday's podcast. Absolutely. Not (laughs) three podcasts instead of one because, uh, both, both visits were delightful. Um, Harbor, one of our uh, great mental health, uh, one of our great mental health agencies, a community mental health agency. I've had friends work there before. I'm very familiar with them. Um, this will be on so I do the uh, the weekly contact show that runs Sunday mornings across our cluster of stations and uh Carrie will be the guest there Sunday but you get her visit now um when I got the prep for what we what would we what we were going to be discussing which we've already discussed and I'll get to in a second um, I was like hmm that doesn't sound fun and I was just in a bad space to read the email like when you watch a show, you're like, and you're not in the mood to watch it, but you watch and you're like, this sucks. You go back to it, and you're like, why did I shut this off? Well, that was like the kind of eye-opening conversation I had with Carrie Dowling. She is the prevention and education coordinator at Harbor. Um, and the topic of the interview is seniors and mental health. And that's where I was like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. And I told Carrie this in the interview. But then I dug in, I was like, this is This is really important for a variety of reasons, and Carrie and I discussed this, and we're going to bring her in in just a second. One, it's a a demographic we haven't talked about. In all the mental health discussions we've had for two years, we've not talked about seniors. Um, And there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, You'll hear me tell Carrie, and you might have heard me say before, it doesn't apply to me now. But it may very well be, it may very well apply to me as I get older. Um, And there's a very scary visual that I think of as I am alone, 70 something, maybe not even that old, 60 something. uh, I don't live with my my brother's part of the family. My dad will have passed. The dogs will have passed. No wife, no kids. You see where I'm going. Um, There's another aspect uh, of this my dad. Uh, was successful in maintaining his mental health, or so I think. He did all the right things. And I'll talk about that right now with Carrie, who was an absolutely wonderful visit. First, I will thank you for taking some time uh, to chat. I've always been a a big fan of Harbor and all of our uh, community and any of our mental health agencies in the area. So thanks for taking a couple of minutes. And I know we're going to talk about something that with all the mental health discussion over the last two years, um, maybe it's a topic that we have overlooked. And that is depression and isolation when it comes to seniors, some of our parents or grandparents, right?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: From your sense of things, how much has this been overlooked? And can you, I mean, we've talked about teens and kids and teachers and parents and myself incessantly. Can you give us a snapshot of someone, of a senior who has been dealing with some type of depression? Specifically, I would guess over the last two years because they're no different than the rest of us.
1: And that's what I wanted to say today, Eric, is that seniors really aren't any different than the rest of us. But I do feel that they were impacted disproportionately from the isolation due to COVID. So many of our seniors that we work with at Harbor and through our WISE programs are really active seniors. They enjoy getting out on a beautiful day like today, taking a walk, meeting friends, going to a senior center, playing cards, having lunch, whatever those things might be. And all of a sudden the world shut down and they weren't able to do them anymore. And that has been a huge impact because let's face it, seniors were more vulnerable to first getting COVID and second to have worse results if and when they did.
0: Yeah. some of, One of the most depressing pictures to me, I mean, we've obviously had a loss of life and so many other things, but one of the things that's going to be burned in my brain when I become a senior, we'll be looking back at the pictures of um, younger family members waving to their, their grandparents outside of a window like that was really heartbreaking and a heck of a snapshot aside from the loss of life of what we went through, you know, almost two years ago to the day and the, and the month.
1: I agree. And even you bringing that up, I literally have goosebumps <laughs> because my grandfather who I loved with all my heart was in an Alzheimer's unit here locally mm-hmm. for years. And I, I, cannot imagine what that would have been like to visit him myself and have to see him and not be able to hug him or, you know, have a cup of coffee with him and his Pepperidge Farm Milano cookies that he loved. But I also reflect on what that would have meant to him and his confusion to why I couldn't come in and do those things with him anymore. And I, I personally have a lot of friends that were in that situation with parents and grandparents. And it, it was incredibly hard. I mean, again, in my own family, I had an uncle that passed. And we had to attend the funeral over a Facebook Live. Yeah. Because it was exactly two years ago. And that's very different. And it felt very different. And it felt very sad not to be there in person for my aunt and for my cousins. And so that's that's another situation where seniors have had to make adjustments and and do things differently. You're never going to get that funeral time back, that grief back, but also that support of your family back that some people lost during COVID.
0: Um, One of the other aspects of this, and when I found out that this is what we were going to talk about, I'm like, I kind of scoffed at it, but then I'm like, wait, wait a second. You know, I I can't be the mental health advocate that I am and and leave some people out. And, And I really dove into this and examined it and I was excited to talk to you about it. So one, thankfully... Um, I did not have to deal with what you went through and my my condolences and sympathy for that. My dad is uh, was like a 71 when this all started, um, mm-hmm. but he was retired. And I'm sure that was another aspect, and I'll come back to my dad in a moment, but I'm sure that was another aspect that we have overlooked. And we cannot overlook moving forward because everybody's mental health is more at the forefront of their minds now, regardless of age, because retired people, you got a lot of free time to do. and You got to fill it in some ways, right? And that can lead to depression.
1: Absolutely. There's so many changes that seniors just go through, you know, regardless of COVID or not, where, you know, you're transitioning in many forms of your life. I mean, I know a lot of people that are closer to my age in their early fifties are, you know, becoming empty nesters and that's a transition. And, Then you move on into life and you're looking at retirement and having to fill that time that was normally filled in the workplace. Um, And a lot of our seniors that we work with are transitioning out of their home and they're going into a senior living facility or even an assisted living facility. and, And those are very hard transitions for many people that we need to address at Harbor and through our programming and as a community at large.
0: What can you guys do to help these people? Because the other aspect of this, as I was thinking through our our, our how we were going to talk about all this, was um many people of that age were the people who didn't address their mental health because of th- th- they they grew up with stigma. Like, regardless of race or gender or ethnicity or whatever it was, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. And we've really done a good job getting away from that. Um, it's a, To me, it's a silver lining with COVID because everybody's brain has gone a little haywire the last two years and now they realize that they need to prioritize it. But older adults, seniors might still have that mentality. Is it is it hard for you to get through to some of them? What are some ways that you can pull a senior who might want to address their mental health? But just like teenagers and us, there's peer pressure to not talk about it.
1: I agree. And like you said, sometimes that comes with, a myriad of reasons why people might might have been raised that you don't talk about these things outside of our home, outside of our family. Uh, we have a wonderful program at Harbor. It's a Wellness Initiative for Senior Education. We call it Wise, and it's a six-week evidence-based program that it is a senior wellness program. You don't have to be experiencing problems in any area of your life, but we welcome you if you are. And we do the program at senior centers, senior living facilities, libraries. We can go anywhere inside of Lucas County. That is our only restriction. And if anybody is interested in hosting-wise, I can give the phone number for them to be able to do that. But sometimes people need a little bit more help where they are experiencing some mental health crisis and, and things like that. And it's important to reach out and people can either call Harbor at 475 or they can visit harbor.org for more information on the services that we do have to offer to senior citizens as well.
0: Um, I see in the note here that I got with, uh, with your information and another thing that has kind of struck me that we don't talk about um, wisely, as you just talked about, designed to help older adults navigate healthy aging and avoid substance uh, use or I guess maybe abuse. What what's that uh-huh. like? What's that like when it comes to to older adults?
1: Well, we educate older adults through the Wise program about how your body changes and how something perhaps as routine in your life as drinking alcohol had been that your body changes as you age and you metabolize alcohol differently. But one of the big components that we do in Wise is that we teach older people to uh, use and store and dispose of their medication properly. So many people have so many medications in their home. Our senior citizens have more medications than anybody, and that can make them a target. And so we teach them about the permanent drop boxes that are located all across Lucas County and how to dispose of them properly. and and again where to store them and how to store them properly and safely
0: um i was talking to the to our great new fire chief chief armstrong uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and conversely or in a contrasting way to get rid of your medications or unused medications ones that we i think we've all we all need to do a better job of cleaning out our cabinets so i look at the expiration date whether and it was my dog stuff and it was some of mine i'm like 2019 like how is this yep. still in a in a pill form uh the chiefs mentioned when i was asking about what can the community do uh, so there aren't so many calls, or so we can direct you guys to the to the real emergencies. And she told me that so many of their like we think of the fire chief when we think of fires, but it's also rescue stuff as well. And she told me that um, a lot of their calls are because of because of adults and very likely seniors, older adults who have. Um, been unable to to access their medication. They stopped taking it. They were unable, like during COVID times, to go get it. They couldn't afford it. And I'm sure that's part of your educational program as well because I know as well as anybody, it doesn't matter your age, um, whether it's heart medication, blood pressure, or for bipolar or depression, if you're not on it, uh, mind and body are going to suffer.
1: Absolutely. You have to be able to take your medication and have access to your medication to be and stay well. My, my dad calls it better living through science after several heart attacks and you know, he needs it and it helps and it works. And our purpose is never to sway people away from medication. I think that's sometimes a misperception, but it is to teach people how to properly use their medication and to be an advocate for their own mental and physical health with their healthcare providers.
0: Um, I'm wondering if you have a story like this. I mentioned my dad a couple of minutes ago and thank knock on everything that um, he's got great genes. He's in, in great shape. Um, and as the pandemic hit, you know, he had to make, so my dad, he has a fiance, a girlfriend, um, other part of my family back home in Philadelphia. My dad lives. He's a sports person, you know, after dinner, he's watching games and there were no games to watch. Um and I don't I don't mean to make light of this at all but like my dad had to make some major changes and I'm I'm glad that he recognized that he could tap into you know more holistic things. Um he got a puppy, or a dog. Um knowing that it would keep him busy and we've always been dog lovers in our family but he he finally made that leap. He got he got a covid dog and um as similarly as Mind-boggling is mind boggling it would be for the sun to not rise. My dad got an iPad and began to FaceTime. So, um, and again, I don't mean to make light of it. I'm just proud and happy that my dad could do that because, you know, the other part of the family wasn't going to be able to see him, and the dog became his friend and a substitute for, oh, he was very displeased the bowling alley was closed. But he got into walking with the dog and stuff. Are there other suggestions along the lines of those that you could offer to people, which are, you know, often very low cost and you don't have to join a, a basketball league or anything like that, but other things, um, outside of science that can do wonders for the mental health of an, of
1: an older adult. Absolutely. Again, you know, (laughs) there's so many things that we can do that literally cost nothing. And I'm chuckling because my dad is a snowbird in Florida currently. And he kind of brought in the, uh, the neighborhood cat, and it okay. made him his own. And uh, as much as the cat terrorizes him, he <laughs> loves him. And, and it's really lifted his mood. And back to what you're saying about the iPad as well. Last year for Father's Day, uh, we wanted to FaceTime my dad. It took 40 minutes to get him connected. <laughs> um, and my dad's very computer savvy. But it took 40 minutes to get him connected. But you know what, Eric? After we did he enjoyed it so much. We did it several more times and it it was good for all of us, you know, not just be able to talk on the phone, but to see each other and have that connection. And again, that didn't cost anything other than our patience, (laughs) but um, you know, it it cost nothing. And, and again, I think about um, seniors going out and and maybe forming a walking group or, you know, just kind of reaching outside to yourself and, and, and calling somebody that you haven't seen for a while and saying, hey, would you like to go for a cup of coffee? Or, you know, our responsibility as those of us that do have aging parents to do the same, you know, to even, you know, sit and maybe just talk, share stories, share some laughter. You know, I would give anything to have an afternoon with my grandmother to watch her cook that food because I was always interested in eating it. Now I need to know how to prepare it. Right. I haven't had a decent meal since my grandma passed away. <laughs> And, you know, because we do, we need to share those rich family stories and recipes and traditions. And it's good for all of us. It's good for them to share them. And it's good for us to have them. Because when they're gone, that's all we have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh No one, my, my, my Grammy Bales French toast recipe. Uh, when I was a there little boy, go. when I would eat like seven slices of it um not healthy but that recipe unfortunately died with her and some of my grandfather so you're right um, uh, get your get your older adults recipes please cuz you need them
1: exactly If nothing else,
0: get the recipe. Um, You mentioned something, and and this is how I want to wrap up, and it it pertains to me, um, and this is kind of the inverse of seniors. So uh, I'm not married. I will likely never be married. I don't have kids. I I have my dad actually um, kind of like... D- disregarded his grand dogs the other day. I was like, dad, the, the boys, they know that. You're the granddad. Forget about kids or grandkids. <laughs> um, so I'm wary that as I get older and I'm approaching my mid-40s, which I and I'm white, which, as statistics would say, make me a very high risk for potential suicide. And I'm aware of them. Um, I'm constantly chasing... Um, I'm working with a new therapist now. I've gone over to to EMDR because I know that as I get older and my good friends um, start their families, and I, it's very very likely I could wind up being a story that is is quite sad, um, left alone to die either by just old age or or something more bleak and morbid. And that's why I do everything I possibly can to make sure my head is in a good place as I get older. Um, Can you offer any insight in that regard? Because um, it's, uh, knock on wood, hopefully we will all live to be senior citizens and not all of us will have the large families. And I watched my dad change my mom as she was in home hospice. And I'm wary that, and I've even heard the joke, that uh, some people just have kids so they have somebody to wipe their butt when they're 88 years old. Uh And it's a joke, but it's also a reality as well. And I'm very wary of that path that I'm on.
1: I admire your transparency about where you're at in life. And I've heard you speak at other events where you have shared your story and I've admired that. Thank you. I'm in the same situation. Not married. I think I'm allergic to it. (laughs) Uh, I I do not have children and for me i have to build the best life i can for me and that includes nurturing friendship maybe being the one that reaches out more often to my friends that might be busier with kids and grandkids and things like that that you know people do have at this stage of life and building those support systems around me again like you're saying whether it's a fantastic therapist, whether it's a church support group, whether it's a bunco group, you know, or again, I mean, in the past eight years, I've been so fortunate to visit senior centers across this city and across Lucas County. And let me tell you, there's some really cool places to be. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I take cardio drumming with the seniors. I love it. because First of all, they go at my speed. Actually, they're a little advanced <laughs> to me, but they still let me in. But... You know, I I even at a younger age, which now I'm not as young, you know, have had lunches with the seniors, have done cardio drumming with the seniors, have done some of these really rich and fun experiences that I think that we all should try to do that to, again, build that resilience. And you mentioned it in the beginning that a lot of times when we talk about prevention, we're going to use that word, we think of young kids. Yeah, you know we think about you know the the all the programs that are out for school age kids, and we have great programs for school age kids at Harbor as well. But here we go on the other end of the spectrum with the seniors, and we talk about resilience building all the time with our younger people. We can still build resilience in our 40s and 50s and 60s and plus. Yeah, you have by nurturing those friendships by having those places. That we can go for fun and have an outlet. And, again, some of us aren't fortunate enough to have that in a family situation. Or many people, and you know this to be true, you've seen it as well, that their family situations aren't healthy. Yep. And so they do have to build up their support system and their resilience outside of what they can just find at home.
0: Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to, uh, there's times been times in my life as my depression has got to me where it felt and, and maybe more days than not, where it felt like I was dying rather than living. And unfortunately, as we get older, certainly now, I think you're a little bit older than me and I was always, and you, you like me were probably always warned of it. When you hit your forties, it's totally like everybody that told me to be afraid of the thirties. Like that was easy. I'm seeing it now three years into my forties. I'm like, this is the real decade to be concerned with. And yeah, things things really get get different as you get to the second half of your life. And outside of the COVID thing, which is obviously played with all kinds of statistics, um, we are living longer than ever. So you got to make the best of life. So you just... So you don't wind up like two lonely old people like us. We'll have rich, robust friendships. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, I, I think you can probably relate to this. We're the uh, I go see all my friends' kids, and I get away with murder. I'm like the cool, not real murder, like the cool uncle. We will be the cool. I get it. We will be the cool, badass grandparents.
1: Exactly, the pseudo grandparents. Yes. I yes. call myself the great Auntie Carrie. Yes. And I'll forgive you for pointing out that I'm older than you. <laughs> and life does get rougher because. Yeah. Uh, I'm a couple years into my 50s, and and it is harder. And you do start having more doctor's appointments and more screenings for things, and it's hard. And, you know, and I'm thinking, we know when you're talking, too, that how many of us did get married, again, forgive me for that as well, I was misguided, that we thought it was going to be forever. And whether it was through divorce or we deal with so many seniors that are widows and widowers. Yeah. That their story has changed. And I have a family member and a close friend that within the last couple of weeks lost their spouses in their mid 50s. And it was completely unexpected. So I think building those support systems up around you, no matter what your circumstance looks like, is probably my best suggestion how to live a richer, fuller life. And again, making your mental health a priority, making your physical health a priority. Some things even as simple as is working on your core muscles and your core strength, because some of the biggest problems we see in senior citizens are results of falls. Yeah. So anything we can do to keep our senior citizens literally on their feet, is going to be incredibly beneficial to be able to live to those extended years that you and I just talked about yeah
0: um this has been a great discussion thanks for the uh, thanks for the time like I said you can come over next time and we'll do face to face and uh, thanks for all that you do at harbor and you know beyond that for for just mental health and I, I hope this was it was enlightening to me to think about it to have this discussion with you because like I said we have ignored like maybe a, a, a third of our age of demographics over the last couple of years and it goes without saying after someone has listened to this whether you're four or 14 or 84 you know mental health means something to everybody as I've been saying a lot lately like you no matter your age cannot do anything without your brain telling you to do it or not do it and if your brain's not working right no matter your age you're going to be in a whole hell of a lot of trouble and I think we've both kind of been there
1: I agree and I do want to tell you you stopped at 84 but our oldest graduate <laughs> of our wise class is a 103.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, on that note, so, like, I've been very fortunate to have really good genes. Um, Like, pers- in a personal way, my mom, uh, she would have been 76 yesterday. Uh, she smoked her whole life, um, didn't take care of herself, and she she got lung cancer. Uh, staged for lung cancer and was gone very quickly with the diagnosis. And some of me thinks that uh, because her mom smoked her entire life for, like, 80 years, that my mom ah. might be able to evade that, um, and her mom, my grandma, with the French toast, um, made ah. it to like 88, but then died of lung cancer. I have really, really good genes in my family. Um, I might be one of your uh, your what do they call it? Centenarians. Yeah, like look I, forward to it. I think if I get to 84, I'm going to zoom to like 104 and there will be articles about me right. saying, uh, there you go. I just wear superhero t-shirts when I'm 100
1: and that's what's kept me alive. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, that's funny you say that. I think we've lived like sort of the parallel lives. My mother was the same. My mother was always thin and my, uh, unfortunately, I favor my grandmother and great-grandmother that were just I call us sturdy German women. Let's Mm. just say that. I say I'm sturdy. Okay. And my mom wasn't. She was a smaller person, but she smoked her entire life and was diagnosed with lung cancer at 58, died at 59. Yeah. And that that really brought my mortality to the forefront. But, again, here was my grandmother that was a bigger woman and also a smoker, great-grandmother, similar situation. My grandmother died at 79 and my grandmother Great grandmother died in her 80. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure my mother looked at that and, and kind of extrapolated that this wasn't going to have the impact on her that maybe it did on other people or something. And I'm going to tell you when that diagnosis came down at 58 and we realized at 59 that it was going to be fatal. Yeah. I have never fully recovered from that. Yeah. Because I never, ever saw that coming. And again, that stuff that we talk about in WISE, we talk about the top 10 causes of death. And it's like, wow, Carrie, what a way to start. You know, what an (laughs) uplifting message. You know, why would I come back for week two? Well, I'll tell you why. Because so many of them are preventable. Yeah. And even if you stop smoking at an older age, as long as you don't have a lot of these diagnoses that, like a lung cancer or COPD or certain things, you know, you can make a difference. Maybe not always in your quantity, you know, your quantity of life. We can't, you know, you know when we can't really control that as much. But we certainly can potentially have an impact on the quality.
0: Yeah, ask a uh, ask somebody who lived into their nineties. Actually, you can ask my grandfather, uh, my dad's dad, who died a couple of years ago. Uh, His wife, my grandma had passed away several years earlier and my grandfather uh, was not bashful about like, he didn't want to wake up. He had gone mostly blind. He couldn't do anything. His quality of life sucked. I mean, he, he made it to like, I think it was like 97 or so. Um, But those last handful of years, they were just not good. And you talk about like friendships and being out. Um, I could see why he didn't want to wake up or be alive anymore because I, I'm sitting here thinking like I can't remember my grandfather having a friend it was my Grammy and that was it so like to wrap up this whole discussion we have to build those foundations now at any age so that we can have that quality of life and I'm sure you know what if you could ask my grandfather would you rather live to 97 to be like that or live to 85 and had a great quality of life to the very end and everybody would probably answer the, the latter sure Thanks so much Carrie uh from Harbor Harbor has so many great services to help people of all kind with mental health Carrie Dowling uh Carrie Dowling thank you so much we'll do this face to face next time okay
1: Thank you Eric I would love that you just let me know
0: Anytime I'll talk to you soon okay
1: Take care thanks Bye-bye. bye